Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch. And this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Hello, and welcome back. Um, This week's episode was a little delayed because I was out of town. I was actually in Los Angeles, um, which is a great city, I learned. Um, It's not my first time having been there, but it was my first time there for work. So I think when you go to a city and you're actually working, you see it a lot differently than when you're just going to vacation. So um, I found on this trip that I actually enjoyed um, L.A. a lot more. And um, I take for granted how joyful sunshine on a regular basis can make you feel even if you're working. So that was a really good experience. L.A. is a very um, interesting city. Whenever I go to a new city because of the kind of work that I do, I always find myself researching and finding out about you know, their city government, their city budgets, how they manage, how much they allocate to certain things um, and how that compares to New York City. And what I always find is that nothing compares to New York City. And so if you do live in New York City, you have to understand that for as much as you may find fault or complaint with how things are done in New York City, um, keep in mind that we're, this is a city with nine million people in it over a square mile, square foot, like square mileage that is so small compared to the other the next two largest cities and the fact that we are running a 72 billion dollar budget um for these nine million folks and it's very complicated and complex and not something that many people understand how it works and so it might it may seem as though sometimes when you're getting to the um brass tacks of the mta not working the way you think it should or you know how your trash is picked up that's what matters to you and that's what should matter to you as a taxpayer. But it, um, it's a very complicated and an arduous process on managing the budget of managing a $72 million budget and making sure that all services for 9 million people are provided. So I get that context when I'm in a city like LA that has about th- uh, maybe like two, maybe less, almost 3 million people and on like a $9, million, $9 billion operating budget. And I'm just like, wow, like, it's just an interesting, it's very interesting for me. So that's my little tangent work, kind of financial geeky stuff. Um, but I was there for a conference and it was very um, eye-opening to talk to people from other jurisdictions and things. So that's what I did. And so that's why the podcast is a little delayed. Just wanted to give you that. Um, but I, there were a few things that did happen while I was away that I wanted to touch base on. So today will be a little bit of a collective episode. Really, it will have one central theme, which is the power uh, like how your savings, how the ability to save gives you a lot of power in ways that people may not realize and why having the ability to save is what sets people apart when it comes to building wealth and generational wealth. So I'm going to start off by discussing the gift that was provided to the um, Morehouse graduate. So Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, which has traditionally been an all-male college, HBCU, Historically Black College and University. And they graduated um, their seniors this past week. And their commencement speaker, who is a is the world's richest, um, the, the America's richest billionaire, um, black billionaire, which a lot of people probably think is Oprah, but he, it's not. <laughs> so he... He is Robert Smith, and what he did was he decided that when he was going to do his commencement speech, 
speech for the graduates of Morehouse, he was going to come with a very hefty gift. And so what he did as he um, as he finished his commencement speech to the 400 graduates who were graduating that year is that he decided that he, his family and himself were going to de- donate a $40 million um, grant that was going to be utilized to pay off all the student loans that had been taken by all the students sitting in the audience, 400 of them. And so people thought this is generous. He's a billionaire, but people may not have understood the depth and the kind of crack that he made into opening a space for generational wealth for those young men. So, you know, if you've ever heard the term Morehouse men, you know, there are a lot of famous names that come out of Morehouse. Um, Morehouse is, is considered an elite college. Um, and and so you already had young men who were, by all intensive purposes, on their way, right? On their way to doing great things, on their way to um, probably successful careers. But the saddling of student loan debt on most people who graduate is what prevents them from being able to step out of college and right into their greatness right away. Because you get your, you get a small reprieve, maybe six months, and then you begin to have to start paying on these on this debt before you've had an opportunity to establish yourself in a career, earn money for which you can afford to give back three, four, five, sometimes $1,000 a month to your student loans. And so the fact that these young men, 400 of them, will graduate from college with no debt is a tremendous... Um, burden that's relieved from them and it really opens up their ability to begin to earn and create wealth that will be able to be transferred generationally because they will not be saddled with this immense amount of debt many people on average are coming out of college with over one hundred thousand dollars worth of debt if you could walk out of college at 22 years old with zero debt which is what a lot of people who are in upper upper class, upper middle class, I would say upper class, richer, more wealthy people can come out of college without that debt. It sets you in the beginning of like as a, as a race, as a race of life, you're way ahead of those who don't, who don't have that opportunity. You're way ahead because you're allowed to take the money that you're earning and, and utilize it for whatever it is that you want to do. You're also allowed to make choices in your career, like things that people say, you should be able to take an internship. You should be able to work for less than what you can, you know, come in as an entry level so you can learn, do all those things. That was a way in which people ascended in their careers very early in after like the, the 50s and 60s, people were able to do that. There wasn't this big, huge student loan debt hanging over people's heads. So you could do that, you know, you could live with your parents if you needed to because you didn't have to pay rent. And you could work a job that was paying you very little, but it was going to give you the experience you need. Now, young people who are graduating with valid college degrees, can not they don't have that ability, that space, because they owe so much in debt. So for these 400 young men to say, you know what, I really want to go out and, and begin. I want to start a company. I want to I want I have an idea. I want to create that idea. And so I can stay in my mom's house or my parents' house and I can really foster this idea because I don't have to worry about this huge amount of debt that I have to go out into the world and work for and I can really sit with my colleagues and foster an idea and come up with something that could build and 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 be the the idea or the or the purpose that I went to college for. 
that changes your ability to make decisions. It provides you with freedom. And so while we don't say that money has all this power in the sense of it, like independently, but it does provide freedom. The freedom that you have when you walk out of college or graduate from college and are not saddled with debt, is that there's no dollar value you could put on that. It is immensely freeing for these young men. These young men are now free. And when they go out into the world and, and begin to get into the workforce without that level of debt, the choices they can make are endless. And that is something that we are, you know, ignoring as a society and particularly as for African-Americans, as we push our people, our young people to go to college and we say by any means necessary because we believe in the value of education. We are also have been in a position in this country to not be able to set up college funds in the way that other people have been able to. And not just other people who are not black, but just people who are wealthier. The, the ability to have a college fund and make sure that your child's college is paid for is giving your child freedom. Now, everyone isn't able to do that. As to the next steps, I'm gonna the next part of the conversation I'm gonna have speaks to why some people are, are unable to even save for themselves. Like forget saving for college for your kid is unable to save for themselves. And we take for granted that, you know, there are times when, when if you have a child when you're young and you're kind of just kind of getting by, it may not be the, your top priority, putting food on the table and getting them through their, you know, early education and making sure there's a roof over their head is more of a priority. But in the long term, the fact that a, a person can graduate from college without debt is a free, is, is, a, is this level of freedom that you can barely put a dollar value on. I'm sorry if I did some analysis, I could. But that is a level of freedom that you can provide to your child that would be, that is basically a key to wealth. It's a key to the door that they can go through that will lead them to, to the wealth that you, that you want them to have. But walking in the door saddled by hundreds of thousands of debt is putting chains around your ankle with weights on them, having you jump in a pool and expecting you to swim. You had to get the you had to get the debt in your mind. You had to get the debt in order to get the education to get you where you need to be. But there's a longer, more de deliberate conversation that we have to have when it comes to children, when it comes to saving, when it comes to college education and college funds, because what we see from what Robert Smith was able to do is that you unlock the door when you take away this 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 settlement of debt from a person who's grad just graduated from college you change their lives he literally changed the life and the trajectory of those 400 men someone <clears throat> somewhere should be getting a study going right now of all those men and follow them they should look at them those 400 men and the 400 men who graduated the year before and the 400 men who graduate next year and see <clears throat> what the difference is 20 years from now for those men what is the difference? I would love to know that. What is the difference? I forget 20 years. I'd like to know what is the difference in five years. You know, what is the difference? So I think that that's something that's, that's really critically important that we start to begin conversations in our community about the importance of saving for college, the importance of having a savings period. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of shift a little bit to talk about savings not related to college, just savings in general. 
And again, this was inspired by listening to the Robert Smith story for the Morehouse Young Men, but also just the idea that we as Americans, we as people, we as black people, we as people who are working are not saving enough money. Um, there was an old adjective that used, that used to go, everyone should have at least $1,000 in their savings account. And the more and more I talk about money, the more and more I talk about finances, I, I have to dispute that. Particularly if you're a person who lives in a city. The idea of having $1,000 a month in savings was goes back to an idea that $1,000 would help you cover living expenses. I don't know a single person right now who is a working person um, and not having their home, their housing subsidized by the government who pays less than $1,000 for the rent that they have in their apartment or home or their mortgage, right? So to have $1,000 saved up doesn't even cover you for the rent that you would have to pay if you if, if for some reason an emergency came up and you were unable to work over a period of time. Now, $1,000 sounds like a lot of money when you don't have any. Or when you're looking, you're struggling to save $100. sounds like a lot of money. If you need $1,000 for something, that sounds like a lot of money. But in the context of where we live now and the way that things are expensive now, $1,000 just doesn't go as far as it used to. And so having $1,000 savings is a good thing. Having any savings, I tell people all the time, I don't care where you're at in your financial journey. I do not care where you are. You need to be saving money. And if that saving money for you right now is only $5, let it be $5, but you have to be saving money. It's an act that you need to be doing, which forms a habit. And that's all you need to do. You need to make that effort. You need to pay yourself first. And as you continue to do that, you will see that you can find ways. If you prioritize saving, you can find ways to save even more. But this idea of only having $1,000 in your savings account as if that's going to be you know, something in an emergency is, is something that we need to adjust from a general financial conversation. And I'm not sure what the final wording of that should be, but $1,000 is not enough um, in, in today's society to kind of hold you over if there was an emergency. You know, if you had an, an unexpected illness and you were able to go to work for six weeks and in six weeks, you know, you only had two weeks worth of paid leave and for some people that they don't even have that. But let's say you you had to be out of work unpaid for a month. What would you do? You know, and that's the thing. That's where savings comes in. That's where emergencies come in. You know, I am a big proponent in, 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 in saving. I'm an aggressive saver, um, mainly because it's essential to me to know that there's some security there. Um because there isn't really there aren't a little a lot of places for me to tap if that doesn't kind of come to if there's if something happens I don't have a lot of other places I can call you know people I can call or places to tap so for me that's a safety blanket but you know we to be able to save and to save money you have to think of all of the things that could come up as to why you would need it the car is gonna the car is something's gonna happen with the car that you need the kids are going to come up with some unexpected need that they have. You know, the house, if you own a house, something unexpected is going to come up. And so while savings can seem challenging and we can say, oh, you know, it, it's hard to save because X, Y, and Z. If we prioritize savings, it's not as difficult as we, as we, as we kind of make it seem. Because again, if you take off the top, it's like anything else. If you like how your taxes, you don't pay your taxes. We don't pay taxes every time we get paid. They take it. The reason they take it 
And someone thought of that. They said, we should take this before we even allow the person to have it. That way we ensure we get our money. That's the same attitude you have to take towards savings. You can't let your savings come in to your, you can't let the money you want to save come into your general, your general pot of money and then try to take it out because you're not going to take it out because you need it. You want it. You want to have it as part of the more so you can use it to pay your bills. That's why I am the biggest proponent of automatic savings. So when you get paid the same day, you should have an automatic withdrawal going to your savings every time you get paid. So that when you get your bottom line, like when you know how much money you have to pay your bills, saving already happened. It's just like paying taxes. You don't wait until the end of the year to pay the taxes. If you had to do that, you would never pay your taxes then you'd probably go to jail. That's not a good thing. And if you wait until after your money's already in your bank account from the direct deposit and then decide to save, you're never going to save enough. You're never gonna save. And if you do that and move it to an account you have access to, you're just gonna move it back or you're just gonna tap into that account. You need to have that be an automatic savings um, allotment, an automatic withdrawal from your checking account to your savings account on the day you get paid. Every time you get paid, so that by the time you're going in there to set up your bills and pay your bills for that pay period, you have already done the thing that is the most important, which is paid yourself. So if you earn, you know, $1,000 every two weeks, that's what your net is after you've paid all your taxes, then uh, deduct from that the $100 you're going to save. And now you need to be focused on paying your bills with $900. Don't even think about that $100. It's not important. It's not there. It doesn't exist. That is how aggressive I want you to be when it comes to your savings because that's how critically important it is. If you are unable to come up with money in an emergency, that is the most stressful thing that you can that can come that can happen because the emergency is occurring and you don't have the money. And I get it. There are situations, circumstances, and setups where it is very hard to save money. You need every dime that you have. But let's also be realistic that we all have expenses that we incur every month that we should not incur that we can afford that we can't afford to incur those expenses and save and if we had to make a choice we choose to incur those expenses over savings because for some reason those expenses we've decided are more have more value than saving saving so there are expenses like you know eating out at lunch every day is expensive, especially if you live in New York City. To eat out for lunch, unless you're eating pizza every time you eat out, it's very expensive. You're gonna go between eight and ten dollars on the lowest end, depending on where you work, a day. Ten dollars a day on lunch every day is is um fifty dollars a week. Fifty dollars a week times four is two hundred dollars a month. Don't tell me you cannot save money if you are eating out every day for lunch. Because on top of that, you're going to the supermarket and you're buying food for inside your house. Sometimes food that probably goes to waste if you don't cook it fast enough. Or you you just have food in the house that you're not preparing. So if you can spend money outside every day to have lunch, you can save. If you can buy coffee every morning outside, you can save. If you take Ubers when you could instead take the train, you can save. You know, these are things, real things 
You know, if you are someone who says, you know what, every time I get paid, I got to buy me some lottery tickets. I spend $25 on lottery tickets every time I get paid. You can save. You know, and I can run these examples over and over again. And these are not judgments. These are not me saying these are things you shouldn't do. If you are saving the money that you should be saving every every week and you are making sure you're contributing to your savings every week, then you can have at it on those other things. You know, and we can get to those other items when it comes to, you know, paying down debt and other things. But when it comes to fundamental savings, and if you have in your mind that you can't save, you are lying to yourself. Because if you go through your expenses truthfully, honestly, with a clear head and a clear mind, you will see that there is hundreds of dollars that you are spending every time you get paid, spending every month that could be going to your savings. It's just a decision you have to make about how valuable you find savings versus whatever it is that you're spending your money on that you could be using to save. But you gotta make those decisions. Cause see the freedom that we're talking about for those 400 young men in, in Morehouse is freedom that you could be given to your children. You could give your child that same level of freedom that Robert Smith went and gave to those 400 people, those 400 men in Morehouse. But you have to make that decision now sacrifices now in order to give that freedom and that's what financial emancipation is all about getting free from all these burdens that hold us down and keep us broke keep us under the thumb of financial hardships and just keep us down so that our minds our ideas the things that we really want to do don't have the place and space to flourish because we're unable to get past the burdens of finances. If you can't pay your bills, if you can't make sure that you're eating, if your credit is in the toilet, if you have no savings, student loans are chasing you down, how can you go to work and, and be and prosper? How can you have ideas that will put, you know, penetrate the world and change the world? How can you foster those ideas? How can you chase that dream when you're saddled by debt and financial burdens? You can't. And that is why people were up in arms and up and just like mind blown by what Robert Smith did, because that is really a game changer. And it's not just a game changer that a billionaire can do. You can change the game in your own life that way. And you can change the life of your children, the future generations of your family, your legacy. You can make those changes if you buckle down and you get to saving and put money aside so that your kid can be mitigated in some way, shape or form from the burden of student debt. It doesn't take a billionaire to come in here to do that. You can do that, but it takes sacrifice. It takes, a, it takes prioritizing and it takes a, a, a focus on the future rather than the immediate present. And if, and, and it takes the focus off of what feels good right now into what will be great for the future. So we can be in awe of what happened to those boys in, in, in Morehouse and we should God bless them. And I can just, I'm telling you the, 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 the chains that have been removed from them, it's just monumental, but let's not, let's not lose sight of how we can do that in our own lives. Let's break the chains in our own lives. Let's take away this burden of financial, of financial debt and, and just stress by just taking some small steps towards freeing ourselves and freeing generations that'll come after us. So I'm going to wrap that up today. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, again, I apologize for the delay in the episode, but I was out in La La Land enjoying the sun and um, but I'm glad to be back. 
So if you haven't already done so, head on over to Instagram and follow me at Financial Emancipation. Follow me on Twitter at FIN Emancipation. And follow me on Facebook and join the Facebook group of Financial Emancipation. Also, check out my YouTube page and please go over there and subscribe. I'm at Financial Emancipator. Uh, there's a bunch of videos there. Catch up on some old videos and some new videos are going to be dropping soon. It's summertime, sunshine, going to be outside, going to be up and bright with the sun and be able to do some, some great video content about some things that are going on. So. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you'll be back as we continue to discuss the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Have a great day.